Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. Join us this Sunday at one of our four campuses. Call times are at 9 and 11 a.m. at our Somerville and Remount campuses, 10 a.m. at our North Charleston campus, and 11 a.m. at our Monk's Corner campus. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Larry Burbacher. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit faithishere.org. Welcome today. Great to have you here to this edition of Duck Dynasty. We sang some incredible songs of victory today. John ends the book of John, 1 John, on a high note of incredible victory. Now, I'm Phil, in case you don't know. And uh, how many have ever seen Duck Dynasty? Let me see your hand. Okay, so you kind of know what we're talking about today. And uh, this won't last long, I can tell you that right now. I'm about to eat some hair right now out of my beard. Uh, Real faith. John's talking about faith and what faith looks like and what victory looks like and, and what that means in the Word of God. And when John writes this, he's an old man now, so he probably had a beard something like this. Looked a little bit like this. I don't know if he wore camos or not, but he's going to talk about our victory. So take your Bibles out and turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. There it came. Good. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word today. 1 John chapter 5. You say, why Duck Dynasty for real faith? Because many of these people who are on the show Duck Dynasty are born-again Christians who love God with all their heart. And, and we, as we were thinking about a reality series and faith, I think the one that popped into our mind first was Duck Dynasty. And so you'll see a little bit of their story later. But these are men who've given their life to the Lord Jesus Christ and sharing the gospel uh, all across the country, sharing with men's groups, activities. And we're talking about faith today. We're talking about what it means to be a, a child of God and the victory that God gives us over this world. So let's read God's word together. Uh, real faith. Everyone who believes, chapter 5, verse 1, that Jesus Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God to obey his commands. His commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world. Satan has been defeated. This is our victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Father, today I pray that as we open up your word, you'll open up our hearts this morning, God. I thank you for the victory we have in you. And I pray, God, if there are anyone here today who may not have yet entered into that place of victory in their own life, that before they leave this place, they will be born of God. And we love you, God, and we thank you for your presence. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Turn around and say hello to somebody and greet them and, uh, and tell them they look great, and then you may be seated. Still got hairs in my mouth from that. I swallowed a bunch of hair. John's an old man. He's, he's uh, observed about 60 years of ministry. He is at the end of the first century. 
And, and John has seen a lot transpire during those 60 years. He has seen the achievement of the Apostle Paul, and he saw Peter, and he saw the gospel going all throughout the Roman Empire. And, and he saw the judgment of God upon the Jewish people because of their rebellion. And he, so he sees Jerusalem destroyed and, and the temple burned down, and, and all this destruction takes place during John's lifetime. He sees the hatred of a pagan emperor by the name of Nero and the persecution that is launched against this church and, and all the martyrs are now being killed for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he has seen faith assailed by every type of world power, both religious and secular, and yet he has witnessed the triumph of the Christian faith. Uh, and he said, this is the victory that overcomes the world. Uh, in other words, no matter what the world may bring at us or how the world comes against us, we have victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Incredible victory in him. Now we're in the 21st century. And I've got good news for you. The banner still waves high over the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We still win through him. We still have victory today. Uh, and his church is filled of those who are the, the begotten of God. Uh, we are filled with the love of God. We keep his commandments. The Bible says we love our neighbor as ourself. Uh, and we stand triumphant today over the world, uh, over Satan, and over the flesh. Can you say amen? We win. And the catalyst for our victory is faith. Look, if you were at verse number four again, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Now, now, now the way to victory is not to assert that we are somehow better or, or greater or it's within us because that is no way to win. It's not through self-help motivation. It's not through saying, I can overcome this sin. I can overcome this habit or bondage. Uh, but the only way to overcome the world is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what is going to bring the victory. Now, he starts out and says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. You see, there is a new spiritual birth that must take place in our lives. We have got to be born of God. And when we are born of God, the Bible says he takes us out of the sphere and influence of the world where Satan rules and brings us into the family of God. He takes us, the Bible says, out of the kingdom of darkness uh, and brings us into the kingdom of his glorious lights. Colossians 1 and 13 says, We have been delivered from the dominion of darkness and transferred in the kingdom of his dear son. And so when that happens, the spell of the old life, uh, the old way of living has been broken in our lives. And we are set free by the power of Jesus Christ, and the fascination with this world has lost its appeal. And so we overcome the world. Now in this world, we face a formidable obstacle. And the world is always coming against the child of God to destroy him, to drag him down. And if we're not careful, it's easy to begin to drift away and, and start thinking, I can just do my own thing. The early church faced all kinds of pressure, and we face that same pressure today. There is moral pressure. There is pressure to conform. That's why Paul writes, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed uh, by the renewing of your mind. And so there's all this pressure on us to, and, and it says in one translation, the world wants to squeeze you into its old mold. 
and make you like the rest of the world. And, and so, so there's this pressure from a godless society. And John in 1 John chapter 2 calls it the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And so there's always a, that temptation to drag us away. There's intellectual pressure. And John writes about that. And he talks about heresy and those antichrists that have come into this world and even now are in the world. In the early church, they faced physical persecution from the world. And there were millions who gave their life for the Lord Jesus Christ, who were martyred, who were burned at stakes. Now today, we don't face that kind of physical persecution in America today, but I want to tell you around this world, in Islamic countries, in communist countries, in Hindu nations, uh, physical persecution is still a very real thing today. There are still martyrs giving their life for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. But John writes, whatever assault this world may take and come against us, we have the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. The victory is ours. The first century, the Romans claimed victory. They said victory belongs to Rome. John writes, the victory, real victory, is through the Lord Jesus Christ and through him. Victory. He uses the word overcome. In 1 John chapter 5, this is the victory that overcomes the world. It is one of the favorite words of John. You'll see this word used by John several different places throughout the word of God. Turn to Revelation real quick. It's used uh, seven times in the book of Revelation. And you, you pick it up with chapter 2 and verse number 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. Verse number 11, it says, To him who overcomes, he will not be hurt at all by the second death. Verse number 15, To him who overcomes, I will give him some hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. Jump down to verse 26. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, who is victorious to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them like pieces of pottery. Chapter 3, verse 5. To him who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. And I will never blot his name out of the book of life. Can you say amen? Verse number 3, uh, verse 11, chapter 3. To him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. And then in chapter 3 and verse 21, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. I want to tell you, in Christ Jesus, we are overcomers and every one of these promises are ours. We overcome through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he talks about those who overcome, he's not describing some kind of special class of Christian. He's not talking about the, the uh, army rangers or the navy seals or some kind of special elite group. Uh, but everybody who has been born of God overcomes the world. That's our privilege. That's our heritage in Christ Jesus to be victorious. There, there was a soldier who was running from battle and hiding when Alexander was the Alexander the Great was the mighty conqueror and he was conquering all these nations and the armies would go out before him and Alexander would ride up and he would check on his troops and see how they were doing and he caught a man who was 
falling back in battle and retreating and hiding and wasn't engaged in warfare. And so he rode up to the young man and caught him. And he said, young man, what is your name? And he said, my name, sir, is Alexander. And the general looked him right in the eye and said, soldier, get in there and fight or change your name. And listen, if we call ourselves Christians, if we say, I am a Christ follower, I am Christ-like, uh, our name carries the assurance of victory, uh, and so to be born of God is to share in his victory, and so the Lord would say unto us, get out there and fight, I've already overcome the world, and through me you can overcome the world. We are not defeated, we're not destroyed, but the enemy's been defeated, and we overcome through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he gives us the foundation for our faith in the next verse, in verse number five. He says, who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. When he talks about this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith, it is not faith in myself. Because in myself I will fail, in myself I will fall, in myself I am nothing, uh, but my faith is in a person, uh, my faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what gives us the victory. Now what does it mean to put your faith in Christ in order to get victory, in order to be a winner? When I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I identify with him and what he did for me. So in other words, the Bible says... That when he died, I died with him. And when he was buried, I was buried with him. And so identify with Christ in his death. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ. So when Christ was killed, I was crucified with him. And then Romans 6, it says, We are therefore buried with him through baptism unto death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might have a new life. So identify with him in his death, that's faith. I put my faith in Christ and I put my faith in what he did for me in paying for my sacrifice. When he rose again, because I put my faith in Christ, I have raised with Jesus Christ. And so Paul writes, I am raised to a new life. In Christ Jesus. And, and then it says, when Christ ascended to heaven, the Bible says, because my faith is in Christ Jesus, and I am in Christ Jesus, I also have ascended with him into the heavenly realms. So positionally, I am still in Christ Jesus. And he says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, and now I am seated with him in heavenly places. And when Christ returns, the Bible says we will also share in his exaltation because in Colossians 3, 4 it says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So identify with his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and his return. Positionally, by faith, I am in Christ Jesus. And all these verses describe who we are in him. And when we claim our position in Christ by faith, then I share in his victory. So the victory he won over the devil, I won. The glory that he has, I have. And so I I, I look at what Christ did and I identify with that. And so I put my faith in Christ and 
that gives me the victory. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. If I positionally identify with Christ, where is that position today? It says in verse, the last half of verse 19, that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every title that can be given. Not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God has placed all things, everybody say all things, under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for his church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So positionally, if I am in Christ Jesus, all things are also under my feet. And John says, this is the victory. We put my faith in Christ, in a person, in his finished work, and what he did for me. And because of that, I can overcome this world. In the Civil War, there was a Civil War veteran who had been wounded in battle. And because he was wounded and couldn't work in battle, he had to go around and beg for his food or begged for a place to stay at night, and he was kind of a, a wonder. He was very poor, very impoverished. He would beg for some help. But every time he would see somebody and encounter somebody, he would always talk about his friend, Mr. Lincoln. And he would say, Mr. Lincoln is a personal friend of mine. And he was injured and wounded and begging, but he talked about Mr. Lincoln. He couldn't hold a steady job down, but as long as he could move as long as he kept going as long as he could talk he would always talk about Mr. Lincoln and finally a bystander who was standing there said you say you know Mr. Lincoln prove it and so the old man says why sure I can prove it in fact I have a piece of paper signed by Mr. Lincoln himself that he gave to me and with that he pulled out his wallet and uh gave the note, gave the paper to the man who challenged him to prove it. And the spectator, he says, uh, I'm not much for reading, but I know that's Mr. Lincoln's signature. And so the guy opened up the paper and he looked at it and he says, man, do you know what you have here? You have a generous federal pension authorized by Mr. Lincoln himself. You don't have to walk around like a poor beggar. Mr. Lincoln has made you rich. Isn't that a great story? And yet, how many times do Christians walk around with their chin on the ground, walk around defeated, walk around depressed, walk around discouraged, walk around with anxiety, uh, walk around uh, uh, giving in to the flesh in this world, uh, walk around defeated, uh, when I want to tell you, Christ has made us born again. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Uh, we have him. We don't have to live beneath our privilege. John writes, Christians don't have to walk around defeated because Jesus Christ has made us victorious. He has defeated the enemy, and because he defeated the enemy, by faith I share in his victory. And now by faith I claim my victory. Now this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. For every spiritual victory you're going to have, it is going to be accomplished through faith. 
Faith is the way we win. Faith is the way we overcome. Faith is, is, is the means to bring that victory to be, come about. Faith has always been God's key to victory. I don't have the time to go through Hebrews chapter 11, but it's by faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, David. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Isaac. And one by one, he goes through all these heroes of faith who overcame, and it was always by their faith they overcame. And it says in Hebrews 11.1, he defines faith. And so let me give you that definition. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now, if it's real faith, you may not always see it in the natural. The situation may look difficult. The doctor's report may look bleak. Uh, Your financial situation may look uh, oppressing at that time. But faith says what God says in his word is true, and I choose to stand on the word of God and trust and believe God no matter what the situation may be. I put my trust, I put my faith in God, and then I act on God's word because I know God's word is true, and when I do that, that's faith. And he said, this is the key to spiritual victory in your life, by faith. The word know is used 39 times in 1 John. It's used eight times in chapter 5. And so faith ties in with our knowing. And so John now goes back and he says, how can we really know that it's all true? How can we really know it's all real? How can we really know that Jesus truly is the Son of God? Now keep in mind, John is writing to his contemporaries uh, who had called Jesus Christ a liar Some said he was a deceiver. Some said he was a religious fanatic, uh, that he was a madman, uh, that he was a, uh, or a Jewish patriot, uh, but they would not claim that he was the son of God. And so John is going to take time and refute that. And there was this heresy, and I talked about it before, called Gnosticism. They believed that when Jesus Christ was baptized in water and the Holy Spirit came upon him, he became divine at that time. But when he died on the cross, God left him because he cried out, My God, my God, why hast hast thou forsaken me? And so they believe he died as a man, not as the divine Son of God. And that was an incredible heresy that was going around in John's day and age. So pick it up with verse number 6. He's going to confront that again. And And who Christ is, and the reason this is so important, who Jesus Christ is, is the basis of our faith. And so you say, how do I really know to put my faith in this person called Jesus Christ? John's going to tell us. Look at verse 6. This is the one who came by water and the blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. There are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. These three are in agreement. Now he says there are infallible witness to who Jesus Christ is. He says there are three witnesses, three testimonies uh, that declare Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You've got to believe that before you can move on. And the first is the water. And he's talking about the baptism of Jesus Christ. 
And when Jesus Christ is baptized in water, there's a voice from heaven that says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit comes upon him and anoints him for his ministry. He said, that testifies that he was the son of God. The second thing he says is the blood. He says the crucifixion of Jesus Christ testifies that he was indeed the Son of God. In John chapter 12 and verse 28, he says, I have both glorified my name and I will glorify it again. He's talking about through the cross. Through the cross, I glorify my name and I will glorify it again. When Christ hung on the cross, it was a testimony that he was the divine son of God. And God took his hand and he shielded out the sun and darkness fell upon the land. And there was a veil, a thick curtain that was in the temple, uh, and God ripped that curtain from the top to the bottom uh, on the time that Jesus Christ was crucified. Uh, And there was an earthquake that took place. uh, And it's no wonder a Roman centurion standing by said, surely this was the Son of God. He said the, the water testifies to his deity. When Jesus Christ said, this is my beloved Son, his crucifixion testified to his deity. And so what John is saying is he has always been the son of God. He was the son of God before his baptism and after his baptism because he came through the water. He was the son of God before his crucifixion and after his crucifixion because he came through the blood. He came through the water and he came through the blood and he is the divine son of God. And if Jesus Christ did not take our nature in his birth, if he was not fully human, uh, and if he did not die for my sins uh, as the Son of God, uh, then I am still dead in my trespasses and sins. Uh, But because he was fully God and he was fully man, he could pay for my salvation, and today I am saved, uh, redeemed uh, by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came by the water and he came by the blood to reconcile us back to God again. And he said, this is the victory that overcomes the world. Uh, It's our faith, but it's our faith in what? It's our faith in who Christ is and what he did for us. There is an object of our faith. And then he says, the third witness is the Spirit. The Spirit. He says, the Spirit has been given to us to bear witness of Jesus Christ and who he was. Now listen, I wasn't there when Christ was baptized in water. And I wasn't there when Christ was crucified. But the Holy Spirit was there. He was present. He is a valid witness. And the Holy Spirit is alive and active today, bearing witness to what Christ has done. And so the water and the blood and the Holy Spirit today continue to bear witness of who Jesus Christ is. Now, how does the Holy Spirit bear witness? Well, first of all, he he opens our eyes to the truth of who Christ is. It's the Spirit who draws us to Christ. It's the Spirit who illuminates our minds. It's the Spirit that allows us to be saved in the first place. So the Holy Spirit bears witness to the truth of who he is. But it goes beyond that because the Holy Spirit becomes that internal witness inside of us, assuring us of who Christ is. And so you have in John's defense here, three witnesses. The first two are external witnesses, the water and the blood. That's, that's, the, that's the Christ of history. 
That's what Christ did for me. That's the historical facts. The internal witness is of the Holy Spirit. And it says in Romans 8 and 15, For you have received, you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So I have all this at work. I have Christ of history. I have his baptism. I have his crucifixion. I have his sacrifice and what he did for me. And I believe in the Christ of history. But it's more than that. He is living and active today. And right now his Holy Spirit lives within my heart. And because his spirit is down in there, I know that I know that I know that I have been born again. And that I'm a child of God. Because I have this witness going on inside of me. Some of you may be here today and say, Pastor, how can you really know? I don't even know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm going to die and go to heaven or not. Listen, if you don't have that witness in your spirit, you're probably not saved. You probably are not right with Christ. You need to get saved this morning. You need to say, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Put your faith in him. And when you do that, you know that you know because he's inside of you. And he's active. And he's talking with you every day. And he's walking with you every day. And he's helping you in your life. And he's... You can know. You can know. This is not something we've got to doubt about or worry about. Our future and what's going to happen. I've got a spirit inside of me that bears witness that now I am a child of God. Now let's pick it up with verse number nine as we continue. We accept man's testimony, right? But God's testimony is greater. God's testimony, water, blood, spirit. His divine testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God. You see John's logic here? Which he has given about his son. This is all about Jesus. Anyone who believes in the son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his son. Now, when you reject Jesus Christ and you reject his deity, you are calling God a liar because God himself said, this is my beloved son. God himself Put him on the cross for my salvation. God himself sent his Holy Spirit. God himself has given these witnesses. And when you deny that, you are making God, the creator of the universe, a liar. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Who has the son has life. Who does not have the son does not have life. Now, according to the law, the Jewish law, and, and really almost is not quite as strict today, but according to the law, you could not convict a man unless it was in the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses. You had to have two witnesses that witnessed the crime in order to convict somebody, in order to try them for a crime, in order to punish somebody, so let everything be established by the mouth of two or three witnesses. But the Bible says it is God who bore witness, and he gave us three witnesses, three testimonies. Water, the blood, and spirit. And these three testimonies are in perfect agreement that Jesus is the divine Son of God, came in the flesh. 
how can we not by faith accept the testimony of God, John reasons, uh, which is far greater than the testimony of man. And so there be no doubt, he says, I'm giving you three witnesses. Now John's getting old. He is the last of the disciples to be alive. Everybody else has died by now. And maybe somewhere along the line, you know, there could be this thought, when I leave, and John had seen Christ, he lived with Christ, ate with him, watched him die on the cross, saw where he's buried, spent 40 days with the resurrected Christ after his resurrection. John was a witness of all that, but he is about to die. He's about to be gone. Is God going to leave a witness on the earth? John says, don't worry. He's left his witnesses. Uh, It is the Holy Spirit. Uh, He is alive and well. Uh, I may die and pass from this life, but Jesus Christ, God, has not left himself without a witness. And he said, these three testify, the water and the blood and the Spirit. And he said, God's testimony is far greater than even my testimony. I am a man. This is the testimony of God himself. Isn't that neat? And then he says, and this is the testimony God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son. Eternal life can be found nowhere else. There's only one way you can be saved, and that is through Jesus Christ. God has a gift to give you. It's everlasting life. But it is only found in his son. And he says three things about this eternal life. And I'm going to give them to you quickly. Number one, it is a prize. It is not a prize we earn. It's an undeserved gift. He said God gave it. God gave it. You didn't earn it. You can't marry it, merit it. You can never be good enough to, to work yourself up to everlasting life. It's, it's, it's not something we earn in ourselves. It is strictly a gift of God. The second thing he says about it, it is found in Christ uh, so that in order to have this life, God gave his son that we might have everlasting life. Eternal life is only found in Jesus Christ. So you can't earn it. It is only through Jesus Christ. And the third thing he says is the gift of eternal life is a present possession right now. I have everlasting life right now. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, the word eternal means belonging to the age. And it's talking really about the age. Now, since the age of grace has already come into this present age, uh, because when he talked about Christ coming, the kingdom of God came to this earth, uh, and now we live in this age of grace, eternal life can be received and enjoyed right now. I have everlasting life right now. It's not something I get when I get to heaven. It is something I receive the moment I say, Jesus, come into my heart and life. I have eternity inside of me. And so that means I live on and on and on. It is always present. It is always life in Christ Jesus right now. I have everlasting life now. I am in his kingdom now. Here and now I have eternity inside of me. And so God has borne witness of his son that men may believe in him, and the Bible says so they may have him. And having Christ, they have life. And if you have Christ, you have everlasting life. And John says if you don't have Christ, you don't have everlasting life. And so you can have victory. You can have victory in your life. It comes through faith. It's our faith in 
Jesus Christ and what he's done. The question is, are you going to receive him? Are you going to follow him? Are you going to live for him? Are you going to give your life to him? And when you do that, he comes in and gives you everlasting life. And not only that, but because I am a child of God, I can walk in victory every day of my life. I don't have to be defeated. I've got it signed by Mr. President. Mr. Jesus Christ himself has signed it and says, I am in Christ Jesus. I have overcome through him. And so now John says, live like it, walk like it, walk in obedience, love one another. And he says, that shows that you have everlasting life. And we have that through Christ. I want to show you a quick clip, and it's taken from our our theme today, Duck Dynasty, and it's uh, it's about their faith in Christ Jesus. It's just one of the guys. We don't have time to show them all and share the whole story. There's a a video, if you want to download it, called I Am Second, uh, and it's about 30 minutes long, but we got a little clip from it today. Take a look. I owned a beer joint when some guy came in with a Bible. And he wanted to introduce me to Jesus. I ran him away. I said, get out of here. I'd take another drink. Then we have our new baby, Willie Jess. So there I was, a barmaid who doesn't drink and had three little boys. I've been fighting for this marriage for a long time, and it's not working. So I came to Miss Kay, and she said, you know the guy that came up there to the beer joint that time and wanted to talk with you? I said, yep. And you ran him off? I said, yep. Why don't you sit down with him and, and just see what he has to say? So I sat down with this guy. He said, Phil, what do you think the gospel is? And I said, I don't know, gospel music on the radio or something like that. He said, you don't even know what it is. I said, I don't guess I do. I didn't even know what the gospel of Jesus was. So when he went through Jesus coming down in flesh through a little virgin girl, Mary, dying on a cross, being buried and raised from the dead, I'm like, how in the world did I ever miss that? When we came back home, I think there was a note that said they had gone to the church building. So we headed in there, and when we got into the auditorium, I just stopped because there he was up in the baptistry with a man. And the boys all stopped, and they were on each side of me. And I remember just looking at them, and he was, I heard Phil say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to follow him from this day forward. And I looked down at each one of the boys. Tears were rolling down their eyes. Even three-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old Willie Jess, big tears were coming down. And the next thing I knew, he was baptized. And I come up, and the boys started hollering and singing, jumping all over the place. And they said... My daddy, my daddy saved, my daddy saved, my daddy saved. They were so happy. And it was the, it was the complete family then. Isn't that neat? Now, we baptize 
several in water today. And they were all testifying that Christ is the Lord of my life. I'm changed. I've been born again. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. You heard his testimony of him giving his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that yet, you can do that this morning. God loves you so much. He came and he gave his son that we might have everlasting life. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I thank you. I thank you for each person that is here today. I thank you, mighty God, that you love them so very, very much. And I just pray, God, that today you'll speak to their hearts and draw them to you, Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.